Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Well, on Monday this week, the ceremony by the Tekelnitz Shemepnak First Nation near Kamloops, B.C., was the first of many to honor the children whose lives were lost while being forced to attend residential school. It's been a year since the announcement of the detection of unmarked graves at the site of uh, of what was once Canada's largest residential school. Now, currently, the focus of the ongoing investigation in the Kamloops area is not excavation and forensic analysis, but the search through ground-penetrating radar of the rest of the site, as only a small area of the grounds were examined in the initial study. This week, the National Post carried a lengthy column by journalist and author Terry Glavin, which argues news organizations got the story wrong when it comes to potential unmarked graves that have been found at the site. He joins us now. Terry, thank you for speaking with us today. Nice talking to you, Jess. Uh, walk me through this. Uh, your uh, column in the National Post uh, looking at the issue of um, uh, you know, unmarked residential school graves. Um, at its core, what motivated you to write this? Well, to start with, it's, uh, it's actually a series. It's about 5,500 5, words long. I think it appears in all in one place in the online edition. Mm-hmm of the National Post. And uh, what motivated me was, very simply, the Kamloops anniversary was coming up. Uh, Quite a few journalists I know who are familiar familiar with this story and have covered this story have had difficulties covering it um, for one reason or another. And um, I thought, because I'm kind of familiar with the story, I co-authored a book with the survivors of St. Mary's Indian Residential School. I covered Indigenous Affairs in the Vancouver Sun. I wrote two or three books about Aboriginal rights and titles, spent a lot of time on what we call Indian country, that there was something very, very strange about the way we were covering the whole sort of sequence of events through last summer and the kind of national paroxysms and convulsions of rage and guilt that this country went through. That's what motivated me. Why do you think the media got it wrong? Well, that's a good question, too. I think largely it's, uh, and I think your your listeners might want to know what I mean when I say the media got it wrong. Um, Apart from Kamloops, which is still a bit, you know, who knows, right? Uh, They walked back the early claim that they had confirmed the existence of graves. But there were a number, you know, all of the following, I think it added up to 1,300 graves were allegedly discovered in unmarked graves at residential schools. And the long and short of it is that never happened. Those Nobody discovered or claimed, none of the local indigenous leaders claimed to have discovered anything. Um, in the case of the big one, Mary Avall, I think it was 750 graves or something like that. Mm-hmm. That was a Catholic cemetery. Uh, the local chief was very clear about that. The, you know, the famous photograph of Trudeau kneeling at a grave with a little teddy bear. Uh, that was a Catholic cemetery. Nobody knows how many or if even uh, any indigenous children from the residential school nearby uh, were among those particular graves. At uh, St. Eugene's in Cranbrook, you know, big story. Oh, you know, they announced the discovery of 200, or I think it was 258 or 280 graves. Uh, no, the local, the local community did not make any such announcement. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not, uh, it wasn't an indigenous uh, grave site. It wasn't a residential school grave site. Uh, there were, you know, some old grave site actually set aside for white settlers, indigenous people and non-indigenous who buried in a cemetery over the years, wooden cross, burn in grass fires and fall apart or whatever. Nothing was discovered. Uh, same at Penelicut. The Penelicut people did not make an announcement of discover- discovering 160-plus graves at a residential school last summer. Never happened. Now, there's been u- conversations about the technology used. Um, uh, they refer to them as impressions. And do you think that's what's causing all of this then? It's, it, 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 I think that the, the technology issue or angle is an interesting one in that, uh, particularly in the case of Camloops, there were these kind of lurid stories that were being circulated by a defrocked white United Church minister years ago uh, that the Aboriginal People's Television Network actually, actually did a wonderful job in exposing, uh, you know, of an archipelago of secret graves and, you know, that were Indian kids were murdered by priests and nuns. And the technology came along, and, it's, and you know, a lot of the... I think really ill-informed early sort of commentary speculation was, ooh, could those stories have been true? And the technology is, is, is pretty good, actually. You know, if you're looking in a known cemetery for the precise location of burials, it's good because there'll be disturbances in the earth and so on, as you would expect, uh, you know, and they'll, they'll be lined up in the way graves in a cemetery are lined up. When it comes to something like, uh, uh, well, what, there was one case, for instance, the summer council, uh, an Indian hospital, as it used to be called, tuberculosis sanitarium in Edmonton. The, uh, there was, you know, people talking about indigenous people being buried in a corner of the grounds. They brought in uh, GPR technology. They did surveys. They found these sort of impressions that suggested possibly burials. They did excavations very meticulously in consultation with the local indigenous people and the people who said they were witnesses. No, 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 no human remains. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I do, I, I, you have to understand, I'm not dismissing anything that the, uh, the archaeologists working for these First Nations have said. I think they, we need to pay attention very carefully to what they are saying. Um, but what they are saying and the, the point of the piece, the series, is in no way reflected in the shock horror headlines about, you know, mass graves or unmarked graves being discovered at residential school sites all summer. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I'm paying attention to what the local indigenous people, local indigenous leaders claimed or are reported to have claimed. And it just, it was just crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Do you were you concerned at all as you wrote this that some will accuse you of minimizing the very thing right. we're talking about here, right? I mean, there there, there is that you don't, obviously you don't want to censor yourself, but this is an explosive issue for many reasons because of our history as as settlers here and and what Aboriginal people have had to deal with, the broader conversation around reconciliation and even racial reckoning when you look at Black Lives Matter and all of that. Were you worried when you wrote this that there's going to be tremendous pushback from others that say, look, you're missing the point here, uh, and you're going to embolden people who do not want to give Aboriginal community the chance that it deserves? Right. Well, 
In my case, I think I have a bit of a history here. Uh, it, although, you know, unfortunately, we're living in a time where facts don't really matter. But I have made the case more than once that the residential schools system is unambiguously cultural genocide, at least in its foundational uh, formulations. And that, uh, I, I insi- in fact, I insist, this is part of my motivation, was that the real agony and suffering and abuse that Indigenous people experienced in those schools should not be conflated with all of these, you know, scare stories and horror stories half remembered from somebody's childhood about something another child might have said to them about a grave. We have to take this stuff seriously. This is very real. The intergenerational trauma, as it's been described, is absolutely soul-destroying, and we have to take it seriously. And a journalist's job is to report facts, not to uphold a narrative, and not to shut up because of some cockamamie definition of residential schools denialism. Mm -hmm. I think you have, you know, I agree with everything that Murray Sinclair basically has said about this. I think the Truth and Reconciliation Commission Volume 4, released in 2015, is basically the gold standard on this stuff, you know? Uh, And I just think journalists should do their jobs. Otherwise, the public isn't going to trust journalists at all. And trust in the mainstream media is plummeting. So I think we really have to work harder. Uh, We are having this broader conversation around reconciliation, Uh, the broader conversation around a racial reckoning as well. I'm not saying these things are the same. They're different. But we have such a a broad, um, this broad force that is moving through society. Uh, And at the same time, you have trust in in the media as well that has plummeted, which you have articulated. Is it at all possible to have that thoughtful, articulate conversation around such complex issues? Yes, it is. Particularly in my experience with Indigenous people. You know, very generally, what, what, what is the series about? It's about white people losing their minds, quite honestly. I hate to be rude like that. But uh, that's basically what happened last year, I'm afraid. And, uh, you know, as far as having a, a reckoning with the legacy of residential schools, great. Uh, but we've had one every five years, basically, for the last quarter of a century. So, I mean, at some point, I think we really need to say, can we please deal with this like grown-ups? And I'm just talking to journalists here. And, and I don't want to, you know, we have to remember that in the year leading up to the Kamloops discovery, uh, Canada lost about 2,000 journalists. There's the influences of, uh, of foreign propaganda sites like RT News and all of the English sites out of Beijing. Um, so, you know, it's a strange galaxy out there where a bunch of, you know, really reputable professional journalism used to occur. So it's not, you know, oh, you can't trust the mainstream media. Journalists do as best they can, Mm -hmm. but it's just so much easier to sort of, you know, wrap off something that upholds the, you know, fashionable narrative rather than actually tell a story constructed out of the the, the, the found materials of the known world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, on top of what you've just said in regards to losing journalists, it's 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 not just a, 
young people, but it's also older journalists who who have this profound institutional knowledge, uh, which I can hear through your comments, uh, quite frankly. And, and that's a huge issue as well. Those journalists that are older that have left used to pass on that knowledge and experience and expertise to that younger generation. It's a, you know, it's a craft, and uh, that has also been lost. That's part of the broader conversation. To be fair, by the way, I think, and I, you know, this is something I really should stress, is that I think a lot of people actually did learn stuff about residential schools or learned something about residential schools last summer. Mm-hmm. Younger people. You know, we don't really teach this stuff in the schools very well. And, uh, you know, there may be interesting reasons for that. But, uh, you know, it's not like nothing bad came of it. I think that after five years, the Trudeau government finally started to fulfill some of its promises about investing resources in the search for the 3,200 names, the kids, on the Truth and Reconciliation death registry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess there's, I don't want to be too dreary about no. all this. In fact, that was my final question. Uh, you know, based on your experience covering many Indigenous communities, do you do you feel hopeful still for the long term that we will get to a, a point in our country's respective history where there will be some sort of reconciliation, where we can be proud of getting to a point that is um, that is fair, that is thoughtful, that is empathetic, that is you know provides some sort of longer term justice. Well, I, I think we should question the presumption that we actually haven't been there, uh, or we're not there now. I think in different parts of the country, you know, the experience of Indigenous peoples in Canada, 600 Indian bands, as they're called, about a third of them are in British Columbia. The experience of all of those people with colonialism has been different, not always the same. And, uh, you know, the amount of cultural, linguistic, uh, economic diversity among indigenous peoples is just breathtaking. And you can't really reduce it to an I in BIPOC. Part of the difficulty is allowing this conversation to be drawn into all of these weird culture war, avant-garde, you know, race, racial reckoning kind of American terms and debates. This is our history. A lot of really lousy things were done to Indigenous people. And Indigenous people have made a heck of a lot of contributions to the Canadian economy and Canadian culture. A lot of this isn't about problems that we can solve, but rather sort of conditions that we have to figure out a healthy way of enduring in a way that leaves all of us with a little bit of dignity. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.